five, six, seven, eight. Hello, stagey friends. Hi, everybody. It's our Tony's episode. Broadway's biggest night. A year in the making. Except we didn't get to watch it in full. In fact, we didn't even get to watch it at all. Around 6.45 p.m. last night. And yeah, so the Tony started at 7. So yeah, around 6.45 p.m. last night, after purchasing our subscriptions to Paramount+, Plus. Uh, we were informed that the live streaming on the app is not available in Canada, despite all of the Tony websites suggesting that it would be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we FaceTimed and followed the live tweet updates. And then I watched Broadway's Back, the Tony Awards concert at 9 p.m. on CBS because I am... A sucker. And I did not because I don't actually have a TV. I have a projector and, you know, Netflix and stuff. So I didn't watch. So yeah, we were quite salty, if you will, even before the Tony Awards started since they were already going with putting it behind a paywall. And then we found out after we made a subscription to that paywall site that we couldn't even watch it. Yeah, it was... um. Mm. It was not great. I saw a really great tweet that I'm going to share with you. I don't remember who said it, but somebody said Paramount Plus, more like Paramount Minus. And I'm here to just... They weren't wrong. Agree wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. They were not wrong. Um, It did really suck because um, for people like me who maybe don't have lots of channels and stuff, putting it on a streaming platform like that is a great way to do it. I wouldn't have minded paying five bucks to watch it. Um, but yeah, and then they were like, no, screw you. And ironically, they were totally happy to let me sign up with my Canadian address. Yeah. I guess some of their programming is available in Canada, but then this specific live stream wasn't. I'm not sure what the fuck all that is about, but, um, anyway, Paramount Plus, check your inbox. You're going to be getting a very strongly worded email from... Me. An angry moose. <laughs> angry moose. Make all the boy moose go blah. <laughs> um, but anyway, we are still coming with you. <laughs> still, we are coming at you with the Tony Awards episode because this was over a year in the making and very newsworthy. Yeah, and you can totally find all the info on who won last night and rewatch the winners give their speeches so we'll just chat about the highlights yeah i think our biggest like joint highlight was adrian warren winning best leading actress in a musical for tina oh yeah and that performance was simply the best of all the three nominated musical performances of the night i thought that was the highlight of them i mean adrian was on fire from start to finish and she holds herself with such grace Uh, I know that's one show that we both really wanted to see on our canceled New York City trip, and watching that performance made me just want to see it live even more. I legit had tickets that I had to refund because of the (laughs) pandemic to see her do this, and I'm getting chills just thinking about it. I I watched the performance this morning and cried. Um, You know, she's won the Tony Award for simply the best actress in a leading role in a musical (laughs) and uh it's so well deserved i mean i'd love to talk to her about it so adrian warren if you're listening come join us on the podcast oh please but she has talked so 
openly about her journey with Tina and about doing the show in a way that I find not a lot of actors do. You know, we want to keep the magic. We don't always talk about how freaking hard it can be on your brain and on your body. Absolutely. And Adrienne Warren has been so open about that every step of the way with this. And she, like Chrissy said, she carries herself with such grace and honesty. And I honestly think, yeah, she's simply the best. (laughs) There's not really much else we can say about how amazing, um, how amazing this woman is. So congratulations, Adrian. And how cute is the mini Tina? The <gasps> she was Tina? so good. I, I need to find her name. Is it Sky? I'll have to Google, but she was so cute and so amazing. And I just love that they sang together. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Always makes me cry that part. Oh, the harmonies. It just, <gasps> it was good. I know. That part is so iconic when she hits that note and ah, oh, I can't. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, I don't know why, but Best Musical really annoyed me this year, Um, (laughs) as it does most every year, but specifically this year. And this is why. So, well, the entire nominated season ticked me off. And this might be super controversial to even say, but when I looked at the musical categories for nominations, it felt like they just tossed everyone that could possibly be qualified into these categories because only three musicals in the 2019-2020 season technically qualified for <laughs> nominations, right? Yeah, the three right, musicals though? that were nominated were the only ones that were qualified because I think some of the other ones that did open, like Girl from the North Country, uh, right. they were technically two weeks behind what they made the official cutoff date or blah, 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 which I mean, I get mm. people had to go see it, if voters had to be able to go and see it, but like... Come on, the season is already being cut short by a pandemic. You're really not going to throw them a bone? I know. And like, yeesh. Yeah, and that isn't to say that the nominated shows and performers didn't deserve their nominations because they totally did. They're all so talented and hardworking and each show nominated is unique in its own way. But gosh, it's weird to see the same shows just repeatedly against each other because there weren't any others. Usually it's like, oh... Blank wasn't nominated for anything. Oh my. Or I wish Blank had been nominated for whatever award. Um, <clears throat> 2014, The Bridges of Madison County. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about that one on here because... We don't talk about that. We have some strong opinions. Um, it should have won and so should Kelly. But moving on, my issue was that, yeah, there were only three, which kind of like made sense and honestly I think if you go back and listen to like our initial reaction to the Tony Awards and the nominees being announced um you can hear my genuine thoughts on why I thought having a Tony Awards wasn't a good idea Mm -hmm. because like um pandemic people losing their jobs and like the reason people aren't eligible like it's not because they didn't meet the eligibility criteria it's because "Mm, global pandemic happened Mm -hmm. So you can go and listen there if you want to hear that. But what I'll say now, when it had those three, initially I was like, oh, okay, yeah. But the more that I have learned about Jagged Little Pill and what has been going on behind the scenes there, I mean, it was always sketchy what was going on with the character of Joe and uh, Mm -hmm. how that was handled and how the show treated the trans and non-binary community. But it's just gotten so progressively worse. Every time I think they can't do anything worse. They something do something worse. Out, yeah. And so 
it was kind of a huge bummer in the sense of like I'm watching the Tony Awards and I'm like, please not Jagged, please not Jagged, please not Jagged. And that doesn't mean that there aren't talented, hardworking, lovely people working on this musical. But I just don't think that a show that has done as much crap as this one has should be eligible for literally anything. And maybe that's me being like harsh, but straight up, if you are, if your art is hurting people, if it is hurting audience members, if it is hurting cast members, you shouldn't be eligible for shit. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it sucks because like I was excited to go see Jagged. You know, my girl Alanis, she's Canadian. I thought that that was so wonderful and such a wonderful way to showcase her work. But as I've learned over the past year and a bit what this show is doing to people hell no hell no I've rambled a lot but all that to say I do agree with what Chrissy said having like just those few categories was those few people nominated in all of those musical categories was so so strange but congratulations to Moulin Rouge um because I think you guys are great I mean I heard that you changed some things from the movie which I guess I can forgive um that movie is just so iconic, though. Um, but, you know, I'm happy for y'all. Y'all did a great job. Yeah, you know, I saw Jagged Little Pill in Boston, and I thought that performance was terrific. I thought, you know, Elizabeth Stanley, incredible. The cast, incredible. But it's not a show that I feel comfortable or want to support anymore. I mean, there's just so much that has come out, and I think. And I'm, I don't mean to frown upon anyone. I know so many people have this as their comfort musical and such, but I just can't imagine supporting it anymore, you know? And I think what's so disappointing is seeing Jagged Little Pill get that best book of a musical win. I wish Jagged would have been possibly ripped away from all of these nominations at this point because... Man, just not okay. What's going on with Lauren Patton and Jagged has been going on a long time. We know that there are countless voices within the theater community, mm -hmm. trans voices, non-binary voices, who are speaking up and saying, this isn't accurate representation. This isn't okay what you've done with this character and how you've kind of taken that identity from her and taken that representation away. And I just want to say that, you know, as a cis woman, that took me that took me a little bit of time to figure out what that meant, especially not having seen any iteration of the show. But I always felt that if it comes to something that is offensive to a certain community, it is up to that community to decide whether or not it is offensive. And so we obviously we stand with uh, the trans community and non-binary community. And especially when Jagged Little Pill released a statement finally addressing this after what, over a year? A statement which was well-timed with award mm -hmm. season, which, that was not a coincidence. So that came out, and then for, to have Lauren Patton then go to make a statement where she took zero responsibility and she said she was going to continue to play a role mm. that she isn't right for. I honestly think that she should, well, there's a lot of things that I think she should have done differently, but she should have withdrawn her nomination from the Tony Awards. Oh, I completely like, agree. Yeah. Even if the voting had happened 
uh, way back, which this was still an issue then. But even if the voting had happened way back, she should have said, I withdraw my nomination. She should have withdrawn the herself from the running. And because, and especially with the book, because the book is what was changed and what has hurt people. So to have the two things that have really caused so much harm mm-hmm. be the things that One, won, yeah. it's a huge slap in the face. And I genuinely think that they should have withdrawn. They should have withdrawn their nominations or said, you know, thanks, but, like, I won't be accepting this award because theater is not supposed to hurt people. And that is not to say that Lauren is not a a talented artist. I'm sure anyone who has seen her perform can agree with that. As a cis woman, this is not her role. Having seen all these live tweets coming in last night from, you know, the trans and non-binary community feeling that hurt of seeing her win... Yeah. I should have never experienced that last night. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, it's awful. you know, that was my biggest disappointment about what happened at the Tony Awards last Absolutely. night. Absolutely. And, you know, last night, this was a moment that I think, I don't know, I can't even read it without tearing up, but Kenny Leon had the most amazing speech, one of my favorites of the night, but this particular part stood out to me, and I think to everyone as well who is watching, and Kenny said... The table's got to be bigger. We need to hear all of the stories. When we hear all of the stories, we are better. I just got goosebumps. The hair (sighs) on my arms literally just stood out. I am crying right now. That is just... Oh, I have no words and I'm going to cry again. But, you know, that is what theater is. That's what it's supposed to do. It's telling stories, telling different stories. And as a... Mm-hmm. art form you know we have this reputation of being inclusive and acceptive and we're not we're not we're not it's uh, the industry it's yep. elitist there's definitely uh gender bias uh there whether it comes to how you identify uh and racist mm-hmm. there are a lot of issues that need to be addressed and this was actually my main issue with having the tony words at all was that in the last year, we have discussed so much. We have learned so much. Stuff we probably should have known about or learned before. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. I'm disappointed that all the funding that goes into creating something like the Tony Awards, I think we could have said, yeah, we're going to skip the Tony Awards, and here are three things we're going to do to make Broadway more accessible, make it more equitable, make it more diverse, make it safer. Because ultimately, the theater should be a representative space, and it should be a safe space. Safe for everyone, where everyone is welcome and everyone is safe. And I think money from a big ceremony like the Tony Awards could have made huge strides in making this community and this industry a lot safer for everybody involved. So what's so angering is that this story that we've just shared about Jagged Little Pill, all these stories that are coming out now... This is from the past year. This is still happening. Broadway is not a safe place for all communities involved. It's not. It's not. And something we all need to do right now is just amplify these voices that are coming forward on Instagram, Twitter, sharing their awful, horrendous experiences. And I don't think this show should reopen until things are looked at deeper uh, behind the scenes. It should either be seriously rewritten or it should close its doors absolutely Um, absolutely i think a rewrite is needed 
I, I, I feel kind of like I'm crapping all over it because I'm just naturally a very positive person. Mm. But mm. what they're doing isn't okay. We try to keep things lighthearted on the podcast, yeah. but this is something we needed to talk about on here after the uh, last night's Tony wins. And, you know, I think what we are doing in saying this is we are trying to uplift in a way. Like Absolutely, we're not dragging yeah. down... Um, Jagged, jagged little yeah. pill. I mean, we are, but we're dragging it down to uh, raise awareness to the voices mm-hmm. of trans and non-binary creators who have been mm-hmm. deeply hurt by Jagged Little Pill and the artists in the show who have been horribly mistreated. And just, you know, the gaslighting that was done to both audience members and cast members as well. That's just, it's not what theater's about. And it disgusts me to my core that that sort of shit happened. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I'm super open about how much I love Jagged Little Pill when I saw it in Boston. And I know many others felt the same way. But until there's rewrites and things made right with cast members who have been so mistreated, I just don't see a reason to continue supporting this show that I once loved. And I say all of that from a total place of privilege because it's so much more than simply not supporting or enjoying a show anymore and I'm still educating myself and I will continue to. Because at this point it's not like nobody knows what's happening. Oh absolutely yeah it's all over Twitter Um, and all the social medias. (laughs) Anyway we should move. That was our jagged rant. I have lots more to say um, especially about the fact that when it came to uh, the awards for creative design All of the people who won were men, with the exception of Catherine Zuber, who does costumes. You know, there was a lot of men last night, and I noticed that watching the second, the Broadway concert thingy, that they tried to make up for not airing the full Tonys with. (laughs) Um, There was a lot of men, men performing, men uh, giving the awards, and I was getting annoyed. There was just a lot of men, a lot of white men, and I was getting annoyed. I was freaking annoyed watching it last night, and I thought it. I was going to text you about it. Yeah, and like <laughs> even when you look at the list of the nominees, you look at the nominees, the list of the nominees. <laughs> I, I actually, have my hands on my head. I'm so <laughs> I right wrote, now. I actually, I wrote a blog post about the Tonys, <laughs> and I tried to be very positive because this was before the show had aired and before I learned that they were like, fuck you, Canada, you can't watch. Um, but you know, (laughs) what I, I, as I, I typed out all the nominees and like, even most of the nominees are men in creative categories. And I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. there's just, anyway, to (laughs) people say Broadway is back. And then you look at, um, last night from that lens, from the lens of Jagged, (laughs) from the lens of Slave Play, from the lens of how many men took home awards and who the nominees were broadway is certainly back. i think broadway is certainly back and it's not the broadway that any of us particularly want at all but speaking of um straight white cis men this is the this mm. and this is positive because i need i need to end this on oh, a positive yes. note because y'all know that's us um the one that had us all on pins and yes, needles my yeah my Husband, who doesn't know we're married, Aaron Tveit, <laughs> finally won a Tony. And like, he did. Y'all, I have been a fan of his since like he was in Wicked, which I think was even before Next to Normal. 
I think so. Whatever came first. I'm pretty sure. Whatever came first. Yeah. I have loved this man for most of my career as a theater nerd. And to see him finally take home a well-deserved Tony, it was really beautiful. Finally see that beautiful man walk across the stage and take home his well-earned Tony. I mean, he was the only one nominated, but that doesn't matter. I'm proud of him anyway, and he deserves it. He is beautiful and you know he's just extremely talented and lovely and he's honestly he's my biggest broadway crush aaron tevate if you're listening i love you congratulations you know what if he was ever we love you we'd love to talk with you okay uh if aaron tevate's ever on the podcast it'll be just chrissy talking to him because i'll be dead he's a gorgeous human a very gorgeous talented human i've just never been super attracted to him like that i don't know (laughs) i see you have bad taste in men though i do i can't i can't even defend myself but i will share this really funny story um so i was rewatching the tonys this morning as one does when it doesn't air on cbs in canada or (laughs) um (laughs) so i'm watching the moulin rouge performance and my mom's like is that our boyfriend on TV. And I was like, oh, yes, he is Broadway's boyfriend, isn't he? <laughs> you tell your mom to stay away from my man. But yes, Aaron Tveit, unknowing boyfriend to countless theater lovers. So, all the, the Broadway globe. moms and dads out there. But you know, like, he looked so good last night in that white suit. Oh, he looked steamy. He did. And that leads us right into this next section of our Tony's episode. Dressed, <laughs> which is where we just discuss you know, like our I favorite mean, outfits of the night. I was, my hopes were high for the red carpet at the Tony Awards, y'all, and they didn't even air it. They didn't but, even have a real red carpet session because of which, COVID, like, I which get, I get because COVID. Yeah. But like you know, that's always such a highlight for me, I and especially know. you know, know everybody's been wearing their sweatpants. Nobody's going anywhere. Weird times, like my friend, you know, it's an opportunity to get dressed to the nines. I had. Such high hopes, and so many people delivered. So we have actually picked our top five red carpet looks of the evening. Um, so counting down to number one, we're going to go. Uh, Chrissy, maybe you, you should start. You start. Oh, okay. So number five on my list was Cheryl-Lee Ralph, who looked stunning in that gorgeous yellow gown. And she really stood out in it. It was it was perfect for her. Um and I think it kind of had like a sequence going on. It was like a yellow lemon drop color. Loved it. It was gorgeous. All right. My number five is Kristen Chenoweth because what she wore literally looked like it was pulled from the Gershwin. It literally was Glinda's popular dress on steroids. And she looked freaking brilliant and you know she she knows how to dress herself so well because she's a teeny lady like she is very small and you know a big poofy dress could easily swallow her up but she looked iconic definitely iconic um my honorable mention who tied with her because i can we love an honorable mention is uh ruthie ann miles yes yeah her dress was so beautiful and if you want to learn more about it she did post on instagram Mm -hmm. about how she had it made 
uh, and it's, I believe it is a take on traditional uh, Korean attire. I believe so, yeah. So that was fun to learn about, and she just, she looked so elegant and so happy, and I just love to see her thriving. Yes, Ruby. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. So my number four is your number five. I, I put Kristen Shenoweth <laughs> because I love a good pink tool number. <laughs> Right? You can't go wrong with pink tool. Exactly. All right. So my number four, also dressed in pink, Jake Gyllenhaal showing up in head-to-toe pastel pale baby pink was beautiful. I mean, you know, you don't always get to see a gentleman in a pink suit, which is something we should change because with his complexion and his hair color, he just, it was a choice I didn't expect from him. And it was beautiful. It was unexpected. It was unique. It was beautiful. And I thought it really just spiced up because, you know, men come to these things and they're like, I'll put on a tuxedo. Yeah. Right? And then it's just, it kind of all looks the same. But he showed up. Not that I don't love a man in a tux. I do. But it was unique and I it. was good it. to see him out and about in Taylor's resurrected uh, red era. So that was good. Yeah. <laughs> So this is what, number three? Yeah, this is my number three. Okay, my number three was Kelly O'Hara. I thought, we were just talking about this before. Jocelyn doesn't love it as much as I do, but I thought it was just so elegant. And I liked the, it was kind of like a beading on the front panel only, like near the bottom. And it was probably something closest to what I would wear to the Tonys. So I I love that one. Listen, Kelly O'Hara could show up to a red carpet red carpet in a garbage bag and still take home most beautiful woman at the party percent so obviously it was beautiful but i feel like kelly always has the bar so high for like tony awards wear it kind of fell a little flat for me which i mean she was doing the in memoriam so obviously she was gonna wear black um but i don't know it was kind of because I found that there was a clash between the top half of the dress and the bottom half of her dress. I didn't I feel like it was one fluid piece, and that was my issue with it. Um, wow, I've watched too much Sex in the City. Oh. Um, but my number three was actually Aaron Tveit because, again, we have a different... T- well, he's number one in my heart, but in Best Dress, he's number three. Um, really? Because yeah, that was I- the one I didn't like. I liked Only it because, because I didn't think it was tailored nice to him. I loved the whole white theme he was going on with the the jacket. Everything was all white, but it looks so baggy on him. You know, I liked it because it was a mm. different uh, silhouette than the average tux. So points for changing it. And just, I don't know, I liked it. And I liked that it was different. I liked the idea of doing it in that. all white. Um, all white after Labor Day. It was a phenomenal choice. And just with the redness of the carpet and the backdrop, it just, he popped so nice. Yeah, I mean, I think that was, seemed to be the general theme last night was like red, white, and pink. Yeah. And then beanie with the lime green, but. She does look really good in lime green. She does. I loved it. I mean, that is something I would wear. I seriously love that outfit. Yeah. You know, I loved the color, and I love that she, I love the color, I thought she totally pulled off the color, but for me, the neckline was just, what they were doing with the shoulders and the neckline was just far too bulky and distracting, oh, I loved especially that. when it's bright lime green. I guess, I mean, I don't know, I really loved it, I'm not even being silly, I really enjoyed that dress, and 
and the shoes to match. I would totally, I would wear that. I was already looking it up last night. Like, where is that from? Because I like that stuff. Mm. <laughs> All right. So, Chrissy, who's your number two? Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, my number two is someone we talk about on this podcast. Yeah, I feel like we've uh, talked about him a lot. Really like him. Um, <laughs> my number two is Jeremy Pope, who looked freaking gorgeous in that pink suit. We I think love it was a like gentleman a in a satin, pink suit. Maybe. Anyways, that was like the look of the night for me. I did balance between um, Jeremy and who I chose for my number one look, but both are spectacular. <laughs> um, my number two was Tony Award winner Adrian Warren. Tony Award winner Adrian Warren. Oh my god, she looks gorgeous in that yes. white cream satin Didn't whatever she? fabric that was. Mm. It just her whole being seemed to glow, mm. and like she has great skin. Oh yeah, so like she always looks like she's drop glowing. the skincare but routine, the please, that that, ma'am. Yeah, drop the skincare routine, Adrian. But the way that that fabric, the way kind of it, I was gonna use the word caressed, but I don't know if it was weird, but kind of like caressed her body and like kind of like really like. It was so classy and so elegant, and the beading was gorgeous at the bottom. It was very 1920s-esque, but it wasn't too much. It wasn't too little. It was like the perfect gown because it had elegance, it had fun, and just it kind of like totally elevated her. You know, some people show up wearing a gorgeous dress, and you're like, wow, that's a really pretty dress. But no, on her and the way she wore it, it was like she made the dress look better, kind of. Like like they were working, the, the person and the dress are working together. And just, it was ethereal, it was beautiful, it was yeah. goddess-like, and just head to toe, she was flawless. And she, honest to God, almost made my number one slot. Very elegant. Who is your number one, Chrissy? <gasps> my number one is Nicolette Robinson, who had Yay! the most gorgeous tool dress last night. Like I said with Kristen Chenoweth, I love a tool number, and this one did not disappoint. Also, show-stopping number with Leslie Odom Jr. when they both sang You Matter to Me. <laughs> Killed me. Oh. Incredible. <laughs> What's your number one? My number one, I mean, if you know me, this does not come as any surprise to you, but Bernadette Flippin' Peters shows up to the Tony Awards in a vintage Bob Mackie gown that she wore mm -hmm. in the 80s, showed up, wore it again, and looked as good, if not better, than she did the first time she wore it. Now listen, if it's Bob Mackie, it's automatically going to win first place in best dress in my heart. Those designs are everything. Incredible. And especially like when you put them on somebody as gorgeous as Bernadette Peters and who has aged as gracefully as Bernadette Peters. Like, I want to age like Bernadette Peters. But the way that she just, she wore it and she kept it very simple because with Mackie stuff, it does the work for you. You don't need to go crazy with jewelry or hair or shoes or anything. She kept it very simple and she just wore the dress. And it just, it somehow had a simple elegance to it, which I don't always read from Bob Mackie because his stuff is so over the top and beautiful. But no, the way she wore it, it looked classic. It looked elegant it was vintage it was reusing an outfit which is good for the planet and sustainable and yeah if you have a bob mackie gown why the fuck are you only wearing it once totally 
Anyway, she wins number one for choice, for presentation, <laughs> for reduce, reuse, recycle. For recycling. <laughs> yes. Um, and just the silver stars on it, too. Ugh, and stunning. just the neckline. Just mm. she looked fucking gorgeous. Gorgeous. Nobody but Bernadette could have pulled that off either. I mean, yeah. Incredible. Like, I want one of those. I could not pull it off as well as Bernadette Peters, but no one I can try. Nobody. Who could? No one could. Exactly. She's one of a kind. <laughs> so, the highlight of the show for me was the iconic Broadway duo's medley, which featured Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel. <laughs> followed by Anthony Rapp and Adam Pascal, then perfectly completed by Audra McDonald, sorry, Queen Audra McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell. I mean, I wasn't prepared. I, I don't know what I was expecting. I thought they were just going to come out and do, like, um, and the award goes to, what do you call that? Oh, my God, presenters. A presenter? Jeez. Jeez. I thought they were just going to present an award and then, they started singing and Kristen started crying and then I was crying on my couch. <sighs> Listen, we all cried when Kristen Chenoweth Who cried. does not cry when Kate Cheno cries? Everyone cries. I mean... Honestly, it, it, people with no souls. I... Okay, so I caught it this morning and on Twitter they had it like by duet. So I didn't know it was a medley until later. And, you know, I say this to every theater baby I know. If you want to learn... If you want to be inspired, go and watch the Kennedy Center Honors performance of Wheels of a Dream from Ragtime with Audra McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell. I'm pretty sure it's from the 90s, actually. Like, it's pretty grainy. But my God, because that is a masterclass. That is theater history, and it is fucking brilliant. Did you see Carrie Butler crying? Carrie Butler was all of us. That was what I was getting to. That was what I was getting to next. But my point is to see them do that number means so much to me. It gives me chills just thinking about it. And, you know, Ragtime is such a beautiful, beautiful musical. And I know that they just revived it. But even then, that revival was like, it wasn't that long. It was long enough ago that we could revive it again. Yeah. I think it's a gorgeous show. It's a show that's remained topical. Mm. And just that music. Oh my God. If you have never listened to Ragtime in your life, go do it. Go educate yourself and then come back and talk to me because it is, it's phenomenal. And I love seeing them do that. And there's this tweet I actually saw because, you know, it was, it was Rent and Wicked and um, Waitress and uh, what, what, what Ragtime. But, you know, Ragtime and Rent were in the 90s and then Wicked was in those early 2000s. Like, Somebody said that was such a golden age of musical theater and nobody knew it. Like nobody thought to like know it until they did all those songs back to back, which yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And just, I don't know. I definitely got chills. I cried a little bit and I think it's just, um, yeah. Anyway, having them do that was a big Big highlight, and I loved seeing Carrie Butler's reaction. Carrie, we love you. You guys know I love Carrie Butler. We do. Uh, And her reactions to it was just, oh, it was the most relatable thing I saw all night. You know, I think with that, it's like, for this generation, so like our generation of theater kids and such, seeing these three performances in a medley... It truly felt like 
watching the Tonys during your childhood? Because you had freaking Wicket, you had Rent, you had Audra and Brian. I mean, it felt like a moment from like, I don't know, 2005, 2006. I mean, like it was really iconic. I never watched the Tonys as a child because we just, we've never had cable. Three channels. We've never had cable. My grandma did. So like I'd go, once I was like super into theater, I'd go and I'd watch them with her because she got the channel. But still, it's like, you know. I, I, I never did that, but I remember as a young theater person going through YouTube trying to find whatever I could online, like performances like that, you're what you own from Rent, For Good from Wicked, Wheel of a Dream from Ragtime. Like, those were the things I saw and the things I watched over and over and over again. And so to have updated footage of that, first of all, and then to know that like some theater kid is going to see it. And, you know, it's going to start their deep dive into the world, wonderful world of musical theater is just really emotional. Yeah. And, you know, I would love to say that the the highlight of the night was uh, Miss Jennifer Holiday singing And I Am Telling You. <gasps> but as of right now, it's still not uploaded anywhere. And, you know... CBS screwed us all over, so we don't know what it's yeah, like, I, but we know it's great. Listen, and that's, it's my highlight, and videos, I haven't even I seen watched, it. So. Speaking of YouTube videos, I watched over and over and over again uh, Jennifer Holliday's performance of And I'm Telling You when she was actually nominated for her Tony. That is on YouTube, and the quality is grainy as frick, because that was a while ago. But, oh my Lord, that's another one that I'm like, it's a must. It's a must for a young theater baby to go and witness. And I'm so glad that people got to witness it last night. She and does I was not so age. mad. I was like, she, she does. does. I was texting my voice teacher because she's also in Canada and didn't have a way to watch it. Um, and I remember there were two things that I texted her that I was mad about. I was like, Aaron DeVate's finally winning a Tony. And second, <gasps> I just saw that Jennifer Holiday just saying, and I'm telling you, and I couldn't I think watch that's it. That's what she we was got like, right? most heated about last night when we were texting. Like, we saw the photos, and like, the, I think it's Playbill who posts like a GIF of performances during it. So when it's like live and happening, and we were like, what is this? And, and she was wearing like a similar outfit to the iconic outfit she wore back then. And I. Listen, I'm still mad about it. I'm going to recover. Give me another 24 hours. Um, Give me another 24 yeah. years. Um, but speaking of highlights, and I do want to say this because that's this is another one I thoroughly enjoyed watching this morning. I love the Moulin Rouge number. Oh, yeah. I thought that was and great. Like, that, was, that was something I'm so upset that I couldn't watch um, because... Our lovely, lovely, lovely human, Harper Miles, actually was dancing in it. And I was so excited. I love Harper. I think she's such an incredible performer and human. The best. Like the sweetest and I was human. Like, I if you want to see her perform, she's in Carolina Change when it uh -huh. reopens. Okay. But she was dancing in it. And I was like, I'm so sad I don't get to see her dancing in it. Because, I know. you know, just, but I watched it this morning and it was just so brilliant. But... Anyway, yeah. the energy and the spectacle. And I love that they all filmed in their own theaters. Yeah. Like, I thought that was really cool. Because then you get cool. to see the set, too. I, right? I assume. 
was that like filmed a while ago or yeah you know? uh, i saw on twitter i think it was Ariana Prescott from What's Up Broadway. Yes, she's, we love. We love. Uh, we love. She had tweeted that most of the performances were pre-recorded, so they could film in their own theater, right. which Makes I think sense. is great. And I think the Tony Awards should actually do that more often because a, it'll probably save money, and b, mm. the whole you get to see more of it. You're not just seeing people come on stage and perform. You're getting to see the set. And, like, the environment and the vibe. And especially with something like Moulin Rouge and even Tina, like, their Mm -hmm. sets are amazing. That's just as much part of the show. And considering those are things that get nominated, too, it was great to be able to see that work showcased. I do really enjoy when it's done at the Tonys just because it's, like, that added excitement and nervousness and, like, hoping it all goes really well. Um, And I think I enjoy watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade for those in-theater performances that they did, like, last night at the Tonys. Um, but yeah, I, I all around, it was great. I I loved it all. Um, so to conclude, will this be our last Tonys we watch ever? That's up to you, CBS. <laughs> Listen, CBS, Paramount Plus, y'all. I'm bitter. I mean, like, what if I threw one of my Tony Awards parties last night thinking, hey, friends, we're going to watch the Tonys and then surprise 20 minutes, sorry, 15 to curtain. We're not watching it in Canada. Yeah, um, that was a really weird Tony Awards. It was really weird. And you know the Tony Awards usually make me really, really happy and emotional. And there were moments I of that. that. There were moments that did make me feel that way. But for the most yeah. part, I was just like, I was kind of bummed. I was kind of bummed. And that kind of sucked because we're supposed to be celebrating Broadway being back. But um, yeah, but don't let that, our disappointment, you know, destroy your thunder. If you enjoyed it, then let us know what your favorite part was. We want to hear from you. You can always find us on Instagram at Breaking the Curtain. You know, chat over there about the Tonys. Yeah, let us know. We want to hear all your hot takes, your best dressed, your um, highlights of the evening. But yeah, for me personally, I was kind of like, meh. And, yeah, I could have uh, done without watching the 9 p.m. <laughs> Where they announced one winner. <laughs> this is very weird. We do want to extend a huge Breaking the Curtain congratulations to uh, the Tony Award winners, the Tony Award nominees, and, uh, you know, everyone. Everyone who works behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, everyone who works their ass off to make magic to get this every magic, single day yeah. in the theater. Because, and even if, you know, you didn't work on the Tonys, I'm talking like if you are in Everybody. your teeny little no Starbucks town doing theater, you are still part of the magic. And um, I wanted to wrap up this episode because I'm sappy. I wanted to wrap it up, uh, you know, with a quote from Neil Patrick Harris's opening number from the Tonys. Was it 2012 or 2013? 2013, my friend. 2013 Tonys. And um, please excuse me because I am not Neil Patrick Harris, but, you know, there's a kid in the middle of nowhere who's sitting there living for Tony performances. And he goes on to say, so we might reassure that kid, do something to spur that kid, because I promise you all of us up here tonight, we were were that that kid. kid. 
So with that, and we're going that, to end. We will see you so on we'll the next episode. So we'll see you at our next episode. <laughs> It'll be much we better than this. We will be our positive, upbeat selves again then. So, uh, you know, stay safe, yeah. stay stagey, and, uh, you know. And we'll see you We'll see you, see you later. Bye, guys. Bye.